misses the ball, and thousands of ants die right there. Just thousands of ants die. He then, again, he wasn't noticing. He squared off again, swung through, missed the ball again. Another thousand or so died. He did this five times. Never touched the ball. Two ants walked out of a hole near the ball. One said the other said, you know, if we don't get on the ball, we're going to die. <laughs> in a sense, that's how I feel about your situation. Uh, in your situation, somebody in your family got a little bigger, called pregnancy. We act like we don't know how that happened, but it does. And then the third child comes along, and you think you've got it together, the third child comes along, or like my son, the third child was twins. That was exciting. And he called for prayer immediately. Uh, but the, the, that third one comes along, and it's amazing. But you didn't get a manual with it. Nobody gave you a manual what to do. We all know that the women are better than we are at doing anything around the house, and so therefore, we make them the head of that in our minds. And uh, they, uh, of course, they explain it to us from time to time that they're not just the only one there. And uh, I think it's very important that we understand that. Now, I go after, let's go to that first slide, Egypt. My thing is always aim high. Always aim high. Go to that next one. <laughs> Here's our problem. Our problem isn't that we aim too high and miss it. Our problem is that we aim too low and hit it. What you want to do is always aim high. Don't think after you failed. How many have failed with parenting at some point in time? Okay, good. You're human. How many have a pulse? Same question. Uh, the, the, the issue is if we keep aiming high and doing the best you can do, then you're what one uh, psychologist years ago, and I love the title of the book, Can't Use It because it's a bestseller, but it's called Good Enough Parents. I'm a good enough parent. And I think that's got to be your goal. I'm going to be a good enough parent. And here's the problem that a lot of dads don't understand. I speak to moms. That's how I got into this gig because he walked in. I just talked to, is it Corey? Yeah. I just talked to his wife, Corey, and he walks in like, what's he doing here? And so then I realized what was happening. But I speak a lot to moms. I really care about kids. And most of my life, I've spoken to thousands of people, 5,000 to 35,000 people. That's what I've been trained to do professionally. They pay an obscene amount of money to speak for 20 minutes. And they gave me a, a coffee card, I think. I'm not sure what it is here. But so, uh, no, I really appreciate it. I, I understand. It's tough getting things by Ken. Uh, Ken used to work for me, and he was tough then, so I know. When he, now, King, he, come on. But the, the issue here is... Uh, how do you play this role? And I'm convinced that you're the most important person in the family unit if you will participate. So I've got a bunch of slides, we're gonna go through them, but I'm gonna just move through them quickly. And if you want the whole tape of this, you, you can come up and get my card or give me your card, and I'd be glad to send you the CD of this whole lecture on the seven elements of relationship. It's got other stuff that we're not gonna talk about today. We're gonna to talk about stuff more about you, but. The issue to me is, you're more important than anybody else. When my son uh, was going into uh, freshman high school, uh, I, I was out of the ministry at that time. I basically uh, uh, was offered a job, a big job, I mean a huge job. They wanted me to train speakers that would go out and sell these packages and, and, and they would do five or six meetings a day, the same thing, and so they offered me a lot of money. They offered me $750,000. I mean, shoot. 
I'd take that today for anything in the world, you know? And so I said, okay, I'd love to do this, even though it sounds boring to me to train, to do the same thing over and over and over. It drives me nuts. But, because uh, creativity is something I'd like to play with. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, if you can get me Saturday off, they want me to do the seven days a week. You give me Saturday off, and I'll do it. And the guy said, well, that can't be. Uh, Saturday's a big day for us. I said, well, then we don't have a job. He said, did you hear how much I'm going to pay you? $750,000. I said, I heard what you said. At the, and I'd be over all the other speakers and that sort of thing, high-level high position. And so uh, he said, uh, why do you need Saturday off? I said, my son runs cross-country, and i got to be there. And that's when Tim had a flowing mane. You could see him along. He had hair down to here, and you could just see him. It was just awesome. And uh, broke some records in the CDM, the third smallest school in all of the state of uh, California won uh, the state. I mean, just crazy stuff was happening. But I knew I had to spend time with my son. I knew that was more important than anything else. So the guy upped it. He said, "What do we get back to?" He upped it. He upped it by a hundred thousand dollars. He got up to eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But he said, "I can't let you have Saturday." I said, "Okay." We don't have a job. I don't think you heard me maybe last time. I'm a good communicator, but I don't think you got what I said. Uh, no, it's not going to happen that way. He continued to go up until we were just under a million dollars. And trust me, that was getting that was beginning to get my attention. I'd never seen anything like this in my life. But in a sense, it was a joke. Because you see, I was told by a mentor of mine that the greatest accomplishments I'll ever have are my kids. Once you get that in your head, Things change. Values change. Time commitment changes. Now, my greatest accomplishments are I've got three kids, Tim and two daughters. And they are beyond a kick. They're amazing. They're so much fun to be with. Now we've got 16 grandkids. And uh, uh, it, it, it'll make you do more than speak in tongues, I can tell you that. <laughs> but you've got to get another job. You've know, you got, you got to speak more than to... That's game day, that's for sure, uh, to, to make it. But the point is, I'm sorry, Tim. I know this comes out of your salary. But the, the name of the game is, you've got to realize how important you are. Just your presence there is so critical. Just your presence there. Now, there are a lot of ways to evaluate uh, parenting. And let's start jumping into these uh, uh, slides, see if they make sense at all. Let's go to the next one, Asia. Yeah. Fear, keep going. Fear and anger. It's interesting. Anger. Uh, and the, the fear is that I don't know whether I'm good enough. I don't know whether I, I know enough to, or what to do with my kid. Let me explain something to you. You're the expert on your kid. Let me add something to that. You and your spouse are the experts on your kid. I know principles of life, and I can share those, but I cannot give you the answers to how to apply those principles to your kids. See what I'm saying? Don't ever go to an expert and have them tell you how to handle you. You know your kids. That's the most important thing of all. But we're fearful that we don't. And so then our kids do something that make me make a decision in an area of incompetence. I have no idea what to do. So what, what do we do when we don't know what to do? We get angry. And we snap or we do something stupid, right? I mean, I, we won't have to go to what, uh, we don't have to list out the stupidity. But we go to anger. Then the next slide is to feel guilty about our anger, what we just did, right? Now that proves, it goes right on up to fear. That proves I don't know what I'm doing. 
Fear, anger, guilt. Fear, anger, guilt. Fear, anger, guilt. You've got to realize you are the expert. You're very important. And just between us, and Asia's not talking, but she is from the other side. Um, uh, 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 the, just between us, you're the most important person in that family. You bring a stability and a rock sense that cannot be had otherwise. Now, your relationship with your dad is maybe the most important relationship ever. If you had a relationship with your dad, or if you didn't have a relationship with your dad, or you had a bad relationship with your dad, that affects you more than anything else. I've got a son-in-law, his dad's a drug dealer, and uh, not a good drug dealer because he lives in his car. <laughs> so uh, he's not very successful at it. But my son-in-law has had three then, three stepdads after that. Every time his dad calls, for quite some time, it's different now. Every time his dad would call, he'd drop everything. Leave work, do anything to come and see him. Because he's dying for some kind of affirmation from dad. Okay? We'll share more about that in a second. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Uh, insanity is hereditary. You can get it from your kids. I believe that. Next. <laughs> Seven elements of relationship. Keep going. Uh, responsibility without... What's it say? Relationship. I push the rebellion button every time. Let's go two more down. I'm going to head into the Seven. Keep going. Seven elements. I need the next one. Life is a series of responsibilities lived out in the context of relationships. Everything you do with your child, it's not so important they do the right thing. The most important thing is that there's a relationship there. Your relationship is paramount. I have some studies that I uh, got years ago when I used to speak on parenting. Then I quit speaking on parenting because my kids were growing up and I was using them as illustrations and it wasn't good. So I just stopped. I didn't speak on parenting anymore. I picked it back up a few years ago. But now you've got grandkids. It just, uh, it's sick and wrong. What can happen after that? So you've just got to come back. And I realize these principles are still awesome. They're still amazing. But it's your relationship is more important than respons your responsibility. That they behave properly? Yes, of course. But we want them to have a self-sense of responsibility. Not because you're there, the weapon's there. Uh, we, we want them to have a, a self-sense Next, uh, kids are leaving the church more than ever. I don't remember that being there, but I'll tell you more about that later. Keep going. Oh my, we're at the bottom somehow. Oh, well then let me make it up. Good, this is great. Look at this. That's awesome. That's our new app. It's called the Jesus Conversation. J-C. I didn't understand that when they first showed it to me. But anyway, that's a new app. Yeah. It's, 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 it's free and it helps you to follow Jesus. And I think it's really critical. We'll get, I'm going ask backwards now on the, on the message. Uh, let me give you some principles, some elements of a relationship. The first one is this. Are you satisfied with your kid? Are you satisfied with your kid? Now, how many of you have children... Uh, uh, zero to six. Okay. How many have uh, six to twelve? Okay. How many have twelve and up? How many have all three categories? Okay. Well, he needs prayer. 
This is a serious moment. Yeah, we'll, we can talk later. <clears throat> At every level, that first level, uh, under under one, how many have a, a kids under one? Yeah, great. That first level, one to six, is your best shot at impacting your kids. Okay? The second level, six to 12, is your second best shot. You lost your first, but it's okay. You can catch up. It's just like an exercise. You can, you can come back in two weeks. You can start doing what you used to do. But the point is, uh, you did lose the first one, but don't, don't wallow in that. Uh, we want to we move on. Six to 12, you, you can catch up here. Okay? 12 to 17, 18, see, that's a, that's a third shot. That's a tough shot because you're not human, they're not human, uh, they don't believe what you say. I mean, you know, crazy things happen during that time. They, they, just crazy things happen, but it's kind of fun. Um, then after they grow up, they come out of college many times, sometimes in college, they wake up and say, you know what, you could be the smartest person I've ever known in my life. This is awesome. I, 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 just, I think this is terrific. Who are you, and what do they do with my kid? So, uh, satisfaction. Are you satisfied with each of your children of who they are, their personality, how they act, what they do, their response to you, their lack of response to you? Are you satisfied with that? Here's a bigger question. Do they know it? Do they know it? You see, there's something about showing uh, affection from a dad to a child and it's physical many times in counseling I've counseled half the county here in, in Orange County and the other half's coming in during the spring but the uh, uh, when you do that you really learn a lot and so uh, I, I, I've got I, I know a lot of people know a lot of things but I'm telling you you learn a lot uh, many times when parents are going through a divorce I'll say to the kids you know your dad loves you don't you and many times it's like, yeah, he tickles me. Yeah, he wrestles with me. It's that physical touch. I remember my dad, uh, we'd go to the Cincinnati Reds uh, baseball game at Crosley Field back then. It was a different world back then. <laughs> and uh, I, I grew up in the Cincinnati area. And we'd go there and we'd sit on the right side there uh, uh, next to Ted Klazuski, uh, first baseman. And, and my dad would have his arm around me. And every time somebody do something, he would just stew out of my right arm and it's still today my shoulder hurts <laughs> my dad would just he'd go look at that did you see that and then when, when I played basketball and did other sports my dad was the loudest voice in the whole place embarrassing as hell I'm telling you it was unbelievable but, but he was there and I'm telling you I, he marked me he marked me then when I was 19 he died now when, when your dad dies you don't have a relationship anymore you don't have a good one, you don't have a bad one. See what I'm saying? And so I became angry. I became angry because I didn't have my dad. It wasn't his fault, but that's what happens. So depending on where you are in your dad relationship it can really affect what's going on. You've got to understand that. Uh, Henry Cloud's book, Changes That Heal, Changes That Heal is worth the price of admission. Get that book, read it, read it once a year. Uh, it's good for you. Give you four four areas of uh, healthy uh, healthy um, uh, self esteem and what you got to what you got to work on with that. <clears throat> now, the first one satisfaction. Do you are you satisfied with the kid that they're getting uh, uh, grades that are off the chart and you used to get A's? 
At least that's the rumor. <laughs> and the rumor just spread her all the time, right? <laughs> There's no proof, of course. They, all those records were destroyed. But, uh, but you, were, you were amazing, and they're not. Are you satisfied with who they are? And do they know that? Okay. The second thing is, are you committed to your child? Here's what I mean by that. Are you committed enough to your child to their interests? This child's interests, this child's uh, 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 hobbies, uh, this child's uh, excitement about life, it's not like, it's not your excitement about life, it's something different. I had a couple come to me years ago, and the, uh, they said, we've got a black sheep in our family, and we need to talk to you about it. Black sheep weren't born. Black sheep are made. And they're usually made by parents who are not thrilled about what this kid's doing this time. So I said, well, tell me about your black sheep. And, and the, the dad said, he's into midget racing. Now, when I said this at Mops last time, there was a gal back here, and she just kept looking around the table. Finally, I had to stop the whole thing. I said, is there a problem? She said, yeah. What's midget racing? She thought I was talking about midgets racing uh, around rather than cars, you know, midget racing cars. So I had to go through that at another seminar right there. But the point is, uh, he said, I hate midget racing. And I said, well, what do you hate about it? He said, it's so dirty. What he meant is he didn't know how to fix a car. He didn't know what to do with it. It was out of his realm of interest. Now, he said, what do you think I should do? I said, here's what I think you should do. I think you need to get involved in midget racing. <laughs> he looked at me. He said, "Isn't there any other? Isn't there any other answer?" I said, "I don't know any other answer." <laughs> he said, "None." I said, "I can't." Think. He said, "Could I come up with another activity?" Well, yeah, if it was his activity. But you've got to prove to your child that you're interested in what he's interested in, he or she. We'll talk about that in a second. But and and, and to do that, uh, once you do that. They'll probably shift the interest. Be patient, it'll change. It'll change, that's right. This too will pass, a great Bible verse that's not in the Bible, but we quote it all the time. It just blows my mind. Anyway, uh, uh, this too will pass. And so what happened is they came back two months later and said, I said, what, what's happening? Oh man, he's out of midget racing. I said, oh, praise God, he's out of midget racing. Isn't that great? No, it's not great. What's wrong? He wants to get a horse. Really? So you don't want that? No. I said, I know you can afford it. I mean, I knew these people, they had some, some stuff. And so, uh, but you, no, we don't want to get into the stables and all this kind of muck and, and things. They came back six or seven months later, he changed and went to something else. You must be committed to your child's interests. Enough to at least talk about it and walk through it with them. You don't have to buy a horse when they say they're going to go get a horse. You don't have to get a midget racing racer when they say they want to get a midget racer or, or find other midgets that will race with them. The, the issue is you need to you need to make sure they know you're committed to their interests, their desires. I've apologized to my son so many times for naming him Tim Timmons. And in the early days, I would say this to him. I said, I really feel badly about it because I don't want you to feel like you've got to become a pastor or a speaker, professional speaker, or, you know, therapist or whatever. And uh, he, he's always said, Dad, get over it. It's all right. I'm going to do something different. And he did. He took up drums. That was a thrill. Uh, and uh, we had to uh, pad the, the garage door for just, for just to stay in the community. And then uh, he started a band, and it just kept getting worse from there. And I said, you know, you need to get other interests because you're never going to make uh, a, a living off of just uh, uh, music. 
You just can't do that. Now he's Grammy-nominated coming up January 28th and uh, up for Song of the Year. It's unbelievable. So, uh, now he's not throwing that back in my face, but he smiles a lot, you know, when we talk about, <laughs> when we talk about that kind of thing. But are you committed to it? Are you satisfied with him, with him or her? Are you committed to him or her big time? Now you get into another one. There's an intimacy factor, another relationship aspect here. And again, you can get this whole CD. I'll get it to you if you want it. Uh, but this uh, intimacy factor basically is saying this. I think the most important thing you've got to understand is if how many of you have, uh, have girls? Okay. How many of you have guys, boys? Oh, mercy. So you got both kinds. Uh, if you are the, the dad, if you're a dad for the son, you're the model. You're your son's model. Same-sex parent is the model. Your spouse is the, is the model for the daughter. Therefore, you're the heavy with the son. She's the heavy with the daughter. Okay? Now, opposite. You with your daughter, you're the nurturer for your daughter. You're the nurturer for your daughter. That's why people say, oh, she's got her dad wrapped around her little finger. That's good. That's saying you're doing your job. You're nurturing her. Or the mom is the nurturer of the son. She's the nurturer. He's a mama's boy. That's good. That's not bad. See what I'm saying? So you're the model for same-sex. Same-sex parent is the model. And the opposite is the nurturer. If you will hang on to that, I'm telling you, I've given you two things right here that'll change your life. Just take it, 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 it's free. But it is very, very important that you are the model, but you're also the nurturer, okay? Model and the nurturer. Now, in thinking through how that looks and how that comes across, you've got to think in terms of uh, your child cannot be helped by anybody better than you. Let me explain that. We had, uh, in our kids growing up, Doug Fields was our youth pastor that I hired. Nearly fired the first six months he was with us. <laughs> he was our youth pastor. He, he, he pushed in two older guys on our staff with sport coats into the pool before we went to dinner down in the desert for a snack or three. He was just an intern. You know, we barely had paid him anyway. And and he was kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. And then he went in and, 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 and changed people's clothes out of their suitcases and moved them to other rooms. Fields was just a bad dude. And, and, and the interesting thing about Fields is he hasn't grown up. Nothing's, nothing's different. He worked for me for seven years. And every once in a while he'll, he'll call me and say, Hey, Timmons. He said, uh, somebody came up to me again and said, What did they say? He said, You remind me of their pastor they used to have. And he said, uh, and many of them say, I know he probably died, but you remind me a lot of that guy. Me. And so, Fields and I are pretty close. He, he, uh, he uh, married all three of our kids with me. I blubbered while he did the service. I was up there crying, you know. And, and uh, he did all the service. But when, when you think in terms of needing help, you want that youth person. You want the Tim Luke guy. You want this kind of thing happening. You want your youth leader. You want the you want the children's leader and all that. But they cannot do the job you can do. And you've got to get that in your head. You know what's happening now with this world? 
The reason why I like working with people like you, we don't, I don't work with adults anymore because adults drive me nuts. They want to argue theology, they want to argue all kinds of things, they seem to know everything, and I, I'm tired of it. So we basically work with millennials and the Z generation all over the world. I just came back from Africa, 70% of Africa is 30 years of age and under, 30. And they get it just like that. You talk about Jesus, oh, wow, that makes sense. We, we want to change the world, we need somebody to help us do it. Jesus makes sense. It's unbelievable. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I mean, it's so cool. It's very cool. But I just like hanging out with people like you. And, and, and that really makes me younger, obviously, in the process. But it makes me sharper because the questions that come out and the things that come through it. We, in this age, this group that you're raising right now, holy moly, you're in a deep, deep Bandini problem because they know... And they're looking to come to you for answers. You are the answer man for that family. You and your spouse. Uh, I, I talked to a guy who's the, uh, he's the attorney for 60% of the Catholic dioceses in the United States. 60%. 60% of them. And he's the guy. So we had breakfast about a year ago. And he said, uh, uh, tell me, what, what can I do best for my kid? And I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, well, he work a lot with kids. I said, well, you know, the problem is uh, it isn't taking them to church and it isn't getting them into a Christian school or Catholic school in that case. It, that, that isn't the answer. He said, it's not? I said, no. He said, I've got three millennials in my house. I said, I understand. But they're looking to you. There's a great little poster that says, don't, don't be so concerned about if they heard what you said. Be concerned that they see what you do. Your presence and your example in that home is absolutely monumental. And you can't minimize that in any way. And they're looking at you. Tim and I, after we get through the soccer game, it'd just be him and me in the car. We'd drive back home. The girls would go in another car. And we had the best talks and the best times. And we'd stop and get whatever yogurt or whatever. And so today, every time he's coming home from, in Franklin, Tennessee, every time he's coming home from a soccer practice, practice with one of his kids, he calls, hey, Pops, no one out here in the car. We just got out of soccer practice. And he's continuing the same kind of thing. He knows that's where it is. It's that kind of time that makes all the difference in the world. Okay? And the issue, the issue is, are you willing to, well, first of all, do you see how important it is? Okay? And secondly, are you willing to work on that? Thirdly, are you willing to fail and then continue to work on it? See, that's where we get in trouble. We fail, oh, gee, I screwed that whole thing up and I don't think I can make it. Yes, you can. You can make it up. Believe me, I've screwed up a couple times. I've screwed up. And, and, and in those screw-ups, I can still recover because I come back and say, hey, I'm so sorry what I said. I, I shouldn't have said it that way. Your dad was kind of an idiot there. <laughs> now that shows them how they can be idiots too. But you become the example. You're the primary example. You're the key to their lives. Now, if that didn't scare the hell out of me, I don't know what can. Okay? You are so important in that home. So therefore, here's what I used to say when I pastored here. <clears throat> we had, I don't know how many, we had uh, 12,000 people showing up. So we had a lot of kids, had a lot of children. And so I would say to the people, many of you are so screwed up on two things. One, you think this is church. <laughs> 
Look around. This isn't church. You just showed up for a celebration. Church happens during the week when you're with a few people, a few families, few friends. The second thing you screwed up on is how many of you got kids? How many brought your kids to get some help? They did. They didn't get much help today. Not because we have bad staff. It's because it takes us 18 minutes to get crowd control in any classroom. Once you've got crowd control, maybe you're going to get about five minutes worth of stuff in. But you're the main teacher of your kids. So that's why I've devoted everything I'm doing now is toward the family. So we're, we're writing something right now that's so cool. We're writing a character curriculum that's going into high schools, junior highs, high schools, and universities. A character curriculum coming out of the seven pillars of wisdom in, in, uh, in the uh, Proverbs. And then we're doing a Jesus curriculum for private schools. So we're going public school, private school. And then here's the coolest thing. We're doing something called the Kingdom Chronicles. We're, we're trying to get funded on that right now. But the key is to get the Kingdom Chronicles. They're kids' books where it teaches the first eight parables that Jesus taught out of Matthew 13. And you're the one that reads it with them on your lap. You're reading through these, these eight parables. Then we start the Kingdom Chronicles. has several series to it. just keeps going. The key is to give you, we give you a gun. The gun is you're the, you're the parents. Now we're going to give you some ammunition of what can you do there, okay? Let me close it out like this. Your relationship is more important than anything else, okay? Don't forget that. If they screwed up and did this or did that, okay, they screwed up, did this or did that. So I'll give you, can I do one more illustration? One more illustration and a closing story. My daughter, Tacey, who's very dangerous. She could run the United States today and, and would like to. And uh, she's a competent speaker. She's amazing. She's just amazing. She used to head up the, the, ha the Haiti uh, orphanage deal here uh, in Mariners. Uh, just an amazing gal. And uh, uh, very, very, very cool. When she was young, I tell you, she was a number two kid. She was defiant. She was the biggest problem we had. Tim was not a problem. I'd like to say he was, but he wasn't. Uh, he, he'd been a pain in my butt many times because he comes back and teaches me what I taught him, and I hate it when he brings that up, you know what I'm saying? But uh, that, and then my oldest daughter, just the sweetest thing in the whole world, but Tacey was tough. One night I came in to the room, I said, you need to pick up your blanket, and she's probably five, six years old, pick up your blanket and head up to bed. And she looked at me, took her stance, and said, no. I was tasty. So I said, hmm, how many have kids like that, by the way? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a similar. Thing. And so I said, Tacy, then we could have had a confrontation there. We could have had a major moment there. But we had a better moment. I said, if you don't pick up that blanket by the time I count to 10, I'm going to move across this room so fast. I'm going to grab your body and I'm going to tickle you until you pee your pants. She looked at me and you could see the grin starting to come. Just a little bit, but not much. So I counted down. No. Eight. Seven. And the grin got a little more when we got to three, two, one, and then I moved with great velocity across the room, picked her up, and the blanket tickled her and carried her upstairs to her bed. That's relationship winning over rules. Keep that in mind. Final story. Two years ago, uh, Pope Francis, I've always wanted, when I first met him, uh, I heard him say something, pray for me, 
I'm not a Catholic or a son of a Catholic. I'm not going to become a Catholic. I'm not converting. I don't have any holy water. I love water, but that's about me. Uh, he read my book. The Simply Enough book. He read my book. And uh, a couple cardinals read it. And they said, you teach like he teaches, just about Jesus. We want to invite you to have a private audience with the Pope. So they want to be the biggest pastor in the country. And uh, they wanted to talk to people who were followers of Jesus without being Catholic. So I took a bunch of people, took senators, I took from all over the world, a couple from Israel, good friends of ours. But I got to tell him this story, and he thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It's a, it's a fictitious story, but if it did happen, it would happen like this. The Pope needed a heart transplant. And so basically what, he, what, he, what they decided to do is they would gather everybody in St. Peter's Square, which is a lot of people, and they were going to drop a feather, and wherever that feather landed, that's the person's heart that, they, that would give up their heart. Well, he announced it on the balcony. I need a heart transplant. We're looking for somebody to give their heart. And all these people went crazy. Take up my heart. Take up my heart. That's Italian. Take up my heart. Take up my heart. And they just went nuts. And then uh, he said, I knew that's what you were going to do. I knew it. So we, we devised this thing. We're dropping a feather. And as it drops... Wherever it lands, that'll be the person's heart that has the privilege of giving it to me, and that'll be the, the heart transplant. Oh, take it my heart, take it my heart. And they just went nuts. I mean, they continued to do this, and the feather starts coming down. It was so cool. You see the, the feathers coming down, and it's moving. People just, take it my heart, take it my heart. And then as it got closer to the people, you'd see this. Take it my heart, take it my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, is the issue of the day. Guys, are we going to go all in, or are we going to do? <laughs> after I said I was all in, see what I'm saying? A relationship with your child, with you, is the most important thing on planet Earth you can pull off. That's just after loving their wife, by the way, their mom. That's just after that. Just to make it clear, because my wife will hear about this, and I'll be in deep trouble myself. But you are so critical there. And the more you see that and understand it, I'm telling you, a big difference can be made. A question maybe you could talk about around the table is um, what makes most sense to you of what you've heard today? Or where do you see that the hardest thing to do with what we talked about of keeping that relationship going? What's the hardest thing or what concerns you the most about keeping that relationship going? And just maybe some discussion there. If you want to add to that, that, that that'd be fine, okay? So uh